I'll get you to remain standing this morning as we read our scripture out of Acts chapter 7. We'll read verses 55 through 60. Acts 7, 55 through 60, the story of Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he, being Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. I'm sure there's nobody else who is like me in here and has a big mouth. Well, except maybe for Roy McIntyre. In fact, the, 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 rest, of, the rest of these descriptions are, are, are in your honor, Roy. You know. Nobody, nobody ever says things before realizing the magnitude of what they say, right? Is there anybody who, whose mouth moves faster than your brain? There, there's an old Christian comedian, his name is uh, Mark Lowry, he does a spiel, and, and he says, he, says he, had, he had ADD, ADHD so badly that, that brilliant things would pop into his mind and be out his mouth before he could stop it. And he often would get whippings as a kid just because of the smart aleck things he would say. There's no smart alecks in here, right? Not at all. Anybody ever get in trouble? Yeah, Jonah waving at me in the back, right? <laughs> we never get in trouble. Never got in trouble as a kid for things that we would say, things that we would do, right? Nobody here? Nobody can relate to that, right? I know, I, I know many of us can. Not, not me. I, I, I never had a big mouth. Um, I, you know, I, I always thought through what I would say first, right? That's why all the chuckles are happening. They know better than that. <laughs> On a serious note, though, for, for a, a second, how many of us have ever said something but severely miscalculated the impact of what we just said might have? I think oftentimes we do that, and, and that has become so much easier with social media, has it not? Because it is easier to sit and type behind a computer and send that out than it is to say it with our actual words. And we think that when it goes out, it doesn't have the same impact as if we actually said it with our mouth. In Acts, in the scripture today, we see this exact scenario being played out. Stephen was a follower of Christ and openly preached and talked and said the things that he believed in and the things that Jesus did, the things that he witnessed. And, and Stephen 
had a big mouth. He, uh, he was caught often in debate. He would be the one who would go back and forth with the religious leaders. And, and today, he, he is caught in a big debate with the religious leaders over the new faith, the, the following of, of, of this risen um, Jesus figure, this man from Nazareth, this, this man that everybody else says has died and has come back to life. But, but the conspiracy that all the religious leaders are trying to hide... And here's this guy who's out openly preaching and teaching it. And, and, and he is having this debate with the Jewish leaders from the Greek-speaking synagogues in the city of Jerusalem. And, and Stephen, and if we, if we go back prior to what the passage we read this morning, you will find the rest of the story of Stephen that led up to this. And so I invite you to go home and, and read the rest of Acts chapter 7 and even prior to that to get all the full background, but know that that's there. But, but Stephen evidently argued that the gospel of Jesus removed the need for the temple and all of the sacrifices and other rites that were required and commanded even by Mosaic Law. Mosaic Law, of course, being uh, the first five books of our Old Testament, um, which was the scripture, the Torah, for the Jews. And here's this guy saying, we don't need to follow all these things anymore that you have known your entire life. To his opponents, Stephen seemed to, and they quote, speak blasphemous words against Moses, and against God. Stephen's power uh, as a preacher and, and as a debater led Stephen's opponents to try to silence him. And so we get to the point of our, our scripture today. The Jews have brought Stephen before a Jewish council, a judicial council, before a, a, a court, as, as it were. And, uh, and the charge was of speaking words against the holy place and the law and of saying that Jesus of Nazareth, in his own words, will destroy this place, will change the customs which Moses delivered to us. So here, here's this man who came, who changed all that we do, the way that we do it, the way we've always done it. And here's this man who is preaching what Jesus has already said he would do. And the leaders are saying, we're not going to put up with that. We're not going to let you speak against the way we've always done things. We're not going to let you speak against the way that we believe. We're not going to let you come in here and change things. Stephen's opponents, I want you to think about it for a second. Stephen's opponents believed that the very existence of their faith was in danger. Let me ask us all a question today. What dire actions would we take if we believed for a second that the very existence of our faith was in danger? Are you with me this morning? So, so we can put our shoes. We can put. We can put our shoes. We can put our feet in their shoes. At least they're thinking just for a split second, even if we don't agree. But, but, put our mindsets into theirs just for a brief moment to see where they're coming from in this. 
Stephen was given an opportunity by the court to answer for these charges that were brought up against him. But he made no attempt to change their minds. He made no attempt to defend himself by trying to convince the council that their charges were unfounded or untrue. Rather, and this is where Stephen's big mouth comes in, rather, he used the opportunity to attack his opponents. My friends, I, I hate to tell you, but if I have been brought up under charges where I, if, 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 if I don't defend myself may result in my life, I don't think I'm going to take the opportunity to further attack my opponents, would you? And that's just human nature. But he uses the moment to attack his opponents even further. And, and we go back and you can read in the previous verses about exactly what he says. He, he follows an ancient uh, scriptural tradition when he, and he reviewed the history of his people. Uh, he highlighted the, um, the people's rebellions ag uh, against Moses and, and against the prophets uh, sent by God. And he tried to throw this back onto them and said, Well, you, you rebelled against Moses at this point. You rebelled against and, and spoke against these men who were said that they were sent by God at this point and, and all this and that. So you can imagine... Um, the things that he was throwing out at them. He says, he challenged the very idea that there should even be a fixed temple built for God. And then finally, finally perhaps the words that, that broke, the, the straw that broke the camel's back as it were in this moment. He used words from scripture to denounce the religious leaders, and go back a little bit in, in, in our scripture today, you'll see this exact phrase. It says, uh, and these are the words of Stephen, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers, did not your fathers persecute? That's a very um, elegant way of uh, saying some harsh things <laughs> to the religious leaders that day. And this is perhaps the kind of that straw that broke the camel's back. The, uh, you know, so th this ancient attitude now realized in, in, in the present situation, Stephen, Stephen said that had led to the betrayal and to the murder of the, quote, the righteous one whose coming that the prophets that they had talked about had foretold. And all this, Stephen was saying that, that this ancient attitude that, that the Jewish leaders uh, had was the very thing that had led to the crucifixion of Jesus. Apparently, that really ticked off the judicial council, the court. They were literally ready to kill Stephen for his words. And of course, by this point, Stephen had realized he was in big trouble. He had realized that his mouth had cashed a check that he could not, or wrote a check that he could not cash. <laughs> At this point is where we pick up in our scripture today. Stephen sees the vision of the heavens opening up and the glory of God and Jesus standing at God's right hand. 
And when he says that, that was, said that that was enough to get them to rush him in that moment. The crowd then came, and as the tradition was, they drug him out of the city of Jerusalem in order to put him to death by stoning. And all, all this background, all this context leads into the bottom line for the message today. When faced with adversity because of who he was, Stephen didn't turn from what he represented or, didn't, or from who he was. He didn't fight his accusers. Instead, he found the glory of God in the stones that they were going to use to execute him. And Stephen, in his last moments, followed the pattern of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, prayed the same prayer Jesus prayed on the cross, saying, in essence, Father, forgive them, for they don't realize what they're doing. Don't hold this against them, he says. And into your hands I commend my spirit. Echoing the same words of Jesus. Think about this with me for a moment. The moment that those men lifted those stones in the air. Stephen didn't see punishment. Stephen didn't see death. Stephen saw Christ in the stone. He didn't beg them to stop. He didn't beg them to have a change of heart. He didn't beg for forgiveness. He saw Christ in the stone. That's what you call a light bulb moment, folks, or a mind blow moment. Just think about it for a second. You know, the more, the more I think about it, the more I realize that his death by stoning is no mere coincidence. It's no mere side story. It's no mere, uh, uh, I, it, it, you ever realize God doesn't work in coincidences? God works in God incidents. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. This is a moment of irony. Take a listen with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. 1 Peter 2, 2, 2, uh, 2 through 10. Listen to this. It says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
For it stands in Scripture, he says, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This honor then is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. And a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the excellent of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see the irony that is dripping from this moment with Stephen? We hear... Peter described Jesus as the living stone, as the cornerstone. Do you know what a cornerstone is? Any uh, builders, architects, contractors? What is a cornerstone? What is its purpose? A, a cornerstone is the extreme corner of a structure, and it is responsible for the soundness of that structure. You choose the strongest, the mightiest, the best-looking, the best possible stone for the job. It is what keeps the entire structure together. It has to be the strongest. It has to be the longest-lasting of all the rocks. It has to stand the test of time. It has to weather the conditions. It keeps the structure standing when even everything around the structure is falling down. Folks, that structure is all of us. And the cornerstone is Jesus. A stone isn't meant to harm or to kill or to tear us down but the living stone keeps us standing strong the stones that day didn't kill Stephen but they gave Stephen new life those stones gave Stephen eternal life God didn't use uh, God used those stones that day to create a new home for Stephen. And God does the same for each and every single one of us every single day of our lives that we make Jesus the cornerstone of our lives. Now the Gospel of John tells us that, that Jesus uh, told the disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them. This is at the Last Supper. He's going to prepare a new home. And, and they were a bit confused and they asked Jesus how they will know how to get there. And then we get 
John 14, 6. Do you know it by heart? Jesus said to them, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You know what Jesus is basically saying there? You must make me the cornerstone of your life. I must be the one that you choose. I am the one that you should read about. I am the one that you should learn about. And I am the one you should model your life after. I am your cornerstone. I am your living stone. So folks, when people raise stones against us in this world, don't see death. Don't see the destruction that they called. See the stone that rolled away from death. See the stone that is your cornerstone. See me in those stones. See my glory. See what you have to gain and how much more valuable that is than anything you could possibly lose. You know, the, the Jackie Robinson story is the 1950 movie um, about the challenges and achievements of baseball star Jackie Robinson. In fact, Jackie starred himself in this 1950s movie. So with the help and the vision of, of Brooklyn Dodgers general manager Branch Rickey, many of you may know the story, but this is just a quick synopsis. Branch Rickey, um, Jackie broke the professional baseball color barrier. So starring himself, the movie depicts the prejudice, the hatred that uh, Robinson had to endure and the depth of patience, the depth of courage and, 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 and the self-control that he had to display in the face of relentless adversity. And there's a particular scene in that movie, and the scene begins in uh, uh, Branch Rickey's office. It was their first meeting together. Rickey surprises Jackie by, by telling him that he wants Robinson to come to try out for his team possibly become the first black player in the major leagues. And, and, and this is how the scene unfolds. Ricky says, um, so what do you think, Jackie? You got enough guts to play the game no matter what happens? They'll shout insults at you. They'll come into you spikes first. They'll throw at your head. They've been throwing at my head for a long time now, Mr. Ricky. Robinson responded. And, 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 so, and so Ricky... Um, uh, uh, fabricates a scenario. He says, suppose I'm a player on the eve of an important game. Suppose I, I collide with you at second base and, and when you get up, uh, uh, all I can see is you and your black face and I say, you dirty so-and-so. What do you do? And Jackie says, well, Mr. Ricky, do you want a, a ball player who, who, who's afraid to fight back? Mr. Ricky answers emphatically and says, No, Jackie, I want a ball player with enough guts not to fight back. You've got to do the job with base hits. You've got to do the job with stolen bases. You've got to do it by fielding ground balls, Jackie, and nothing else. 
he concludes the scene by fabricating another scenario. He says, now I'm playing in the World Series. I'm hot-headed. I want to win the game. I come into you spikes first. You jab the ball in my ribs, and the umpire says, you're out. That's how they did it in the 50s. You're out. We do it differently nowadays. Now we go, boom. Everybody go, boom. You can all be umpires now. He says, I go and strike spikes first. The umpire uh, calls you out, and, and all I see is, 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 is your face, your black face, and I just hurl one and just punch you right in your face. What do you do, Jackie? Robinson calmly thinks for a moment, and he says, Mr. Ricky, I've got two cheeks. Think about it for a moment. Mr. Ricky, I've got two cheeks. When faced with adversity because of who we are, a beloved child of God, because that is who we are, don't let the stones get you down. Find the glory of God in the stones. Find the glory of God in that moment. Find the answer that Jesus would provide in the moment of adversity and know beyond doubt that the living stone, the cornerstone is always in your corner. So then how will we turn the stones of adversity of our life this week into the stones that signify the glory of God? That is our challenge today. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.